This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 10th. You're listening to WMBF. A section of a busy downtown street near a popular Binghamton restaurant was shut down to vehicular and pedestrian traffic after debris fell from the top of a building. State Street, just north of Henry Street, was closed late Thursday morning. City public work crews placed barricades on the west side of the building that houses Burger Monday's Bar and Grill. A Binghamton Fire Department crew spotted several bricks on the sidewalk and roadway as their truck passed through the intersection around 10.15 a.m. Fire officials noted a partial wall collapse at the top of the five-story building at 23 Henry Street. The site is located across the street from the Binghamton Federal Building. A fire investigator was notified. The city's code enforcement and engineering offices also were advised of the problem. The fire department taped off the sidewalk near the scene and the public works department brought barricades to detour vehicles around the area. In addition to the restaurant on the street level, the building houses dozens of apartments rented by students on the upper four floors. The entrance to the Burger Monday's restaurant remained accessible. Business co-owner Matthew Jones said he did not expect the restaurant's operations would be affected by the issue. Property records indicated the structure is owned by Experience Housing 008 LLC of Manlius. The owners could not be reached for comment. Responding to a request for information from WMBF News, Deputy Mayor Megan Hyman wrote, the property owner is being issued a 24-hour emergency notice of violation and ordered a remedy. It's not known when the street and sidewalk near the scene will reopen. According to the Binghamton University website, one of the faculty members in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the Thomas J. Watson College of Engineering and Applied Sciences, Professor Serkon Choi, led his team on research that was published in the journal Advanced Energy Materials. The idea for an ingestible biobattery is as a solution for the hard-to-reach small intestine. In the Binghamton University article, Professor Choi stated in ingestible cameras have been developed to solve this issue. They can do many things, such as imaging and physical sensing, even drug delivery. The problem is power. So far, the electronics are using primary batteries that have a finite energy budget and cannot function for the long term. Traditional batteries can be harmful while inside the small intestine, but Professor Choi explains that these ingestible biobatteries utilize microbial fuel cells with spore-forming Bacillus subtilis bacteria that remain inert until they reach the small intestine. On Thursday, February 9th, Binghamton Metro SWAT assisted the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force with executing a search warrant at 21 Mather Street, located in Binghamton, New York. As a result of these search warrant, investigators located one loaded 9mm Smith & Wesson brand handgun, one loaded 9mm Glock brand handgun, reported stolen from Georgia, and two high-capacity handgun magazines. As a result of the investigation, Darshan Beeman was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be charged with two counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, four counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and one count of criminal possession of stolen property in the fourth degree. A New York state lawmaker is suing his fellow senators, asking the courts to get involved in the legislative process. Republican Senator Anthony Palumbo wants the court to force a full floor vote on Governor Kathy Hochul's pick to run the state's judicial system. Palumbo serves on the Senate committee whose Democratic majority rejected the nomination of Hector LaSalle. 
Progressive said he is too conservative for such an influential position. LaSalle's supporters say they're unfairly characterizing a handful of cases. Senate Democrats maintain that they fulfilled their legal duty by hearing all the testimony and voting down the nomination. A man who repeatedly attempted scheming to smuggle finches from Guyana into New York for birdsong competitions has been sentenced to a year and a day in prison. Insaf Ali was stopped at John F. Kennedy Airport in January 2022 with two packs of hair curlers that smugglers used to slip the small birds past customs officials. He pleaded guilty last summer to conspiring to import wildlife illegally. He got in probation after a 2018 guilty plea to smuggling finches into JFK. This time, Ali peached for his leniency by saying that his misdeeds were propelled by his attachment to birds and to the birds' songbird contests that have long been a Caribbean pastime. U.S. Representative George Santos was charged with criminal theft in Pennsylvania in 2017 in connection with bad checks apparently used to buy puppies from dog breeders. The case was ultimately dismissed after Santos said the nine checks totally more than $15,000 were from a checkbook that had been stolen from him. That's according to a lawyer who said she helped Santos with the case. The theft charges were first reported Thursday by Politico. A lawyer for Santos did not return a message and a congressional aide declined to comment. The case adds to to the controversy surrounding the first-term Long Island congressman who faces multiple investigations and has acknowledged lying about elements of his life story. When a giant Chinese balloon made an uninvited visit to the United States, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin turned to a hotline system set up with Beijing to defuse the situation. Austin ran into one problem, the U.S.-China crisis communications, in his February 4th call, however. Often, as happened with Austin last week, top Chinese military officials refused to get on the line. Sometimes, Chinese officials don't even pick up. Former U.S. defense officials and other China experts cite fundamental differences in the way U.S. and Chinese leaders view the value of crisis hotlines. Former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel overseeing investigations into efforts by former President Donald Trump and his allies to overturn the results of the 2020 election. That's according to a person with direct knowledge of the subpoena who spoke to the Associated Press on condition of anonymity. The subpoena to Pence as part of the investigation by special counsel Jack Smith was served in recent days. The extraordinary scenario of a former vice president potentially testifying against his former boss in a criminal investigation comes as Pence considers launching a 2024 Republican presidential bid against Trump. A New York City woman accused of feeding poison cheesecake to her lookalike in a bid to steal the other woman's identity has been convicted of attempted murder. Prosecutors say a jury found 47-year-old Victoria Nasurova guilty on Wednesday of trying to kill 35-year-old Oga Civic with cheesecake that had been laced with a powerful sedative. Prosecutors say the two women resemble each other, but Nasurova hoped to impersonate her victim after killing her, but Civic survived. Defense attorney Christopher Hoyt says he is disappointed with the verdict and his client is exploring her options. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of showers before 8 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 42 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour, 20% chance of rain. Tonight, slight chance of rain showers before 9 p.m., then a chance of rain and snow showers between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers after 11 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 24 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 36. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, a low near 23. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 46. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 26 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
Joseph here for you on a Friday morning at WNBF. We'll be taking phone calls and finding out what the people have to say. The only place where we can find out what the people have to say anymore is right here on News Radio WNBF. So call us. I want to hear what you have to say. 607 772 1290. And on this Friday morning, we begin things with Nick Tamaris from Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? Doing well. I just drove by the place. That was me driving by there waving. Did you see me? I was going, hi, Nick, Nick. You know, the funniest thing. I heard you. Yeah, funniest thing. I was over working on a story as late as 8.57. I was in Vestal uh, taking some pictures and video for a story, and here it is at 9.12, and I'm here in the studio. So that is called efficiency. And, you know, it's the magic of radio. (laughs) It's the magic of my Honda, I guess. But anyway, (laughs) whatever happened worked. I'm looking, it's 8.57. I said, gee, we're going to be cutting it close today. And I thought, ah, this is doable. You made it without a swap. (laughs) No problem. Imminently doable and following all of the applicable vehicle and traffic laws. And that's the important thing. And you make it look easy. Oh, my gosh. You would think I've been doing this for decades. Right. <laughs> anyway, t- tell us about uh, about vehicles and Hondas and everything else uh, at, at Miller Motors. I, I know things have been uh, getting off to an exciting note in this new year, and I'm sure the uh, excitement continues. Yeah, yeah. We, You know what? I was off yesterday, and I get these emails when uh, the truck transportation company drops off new Hondas and Hyundais to us, and we have Hondas here. Uh, there's also, when I drove by, there's Hyundais out there, Santa Cruz's, used cars. We have a beautiful selection of used cars out there. And Hondas, my gosh, if you're looking to scoop up a Civic, I mean, these are the cars that people love to come in, lease them, get a great lease payment. They're automatic. They get great gas mileage. They have all the nice features in them, all the nice safety features. We got some Civics here. And even, you know, I was thinking Valentine's Day is coming up. In the showroom, we have some beautiful radiant red cars in here, Honda Ridgelines, Honda Passports. And uh, even if you're looking for a truck, we got the coolest truck, the Honda Ridgeline that has a trunk in the back of the bed. you got to come down and take a peek at it. It's just the greatest spot to store all the stuff that you don't want to keep inside your truck. Keep it underneath the bed where it's watertight, safe, and lockable, which is cool. So there's cars here. And if you want to scoop up, I was thinking about this too. If you want to scoop up the last of the 22 Accords, scoop up a great interest rate, 2.9, get some great payments, uh, get a great vehicle that has all the cool features on it, we have a few Accords left. So a lot of exciting stuff happening. Well, that sounds good. And, of course, Miller Motors will be open today till 6 p.m. Also, for people who may be in the market for a, a vehicle, they can stop in Saturday as well. Yeah, yeah. So today's always a great day, and, you know, the weather is absolutely phenomenal out there right now. We're here till 6 o'clock. we got cars in the showroom. There's cars outside. Stop and take a look. Saturday, always a wonderful day. Saturday's going to be here 9 till 4 o'clock on Saturday. Sundays were closed, so if you just want to come and look around and see what's out there, Monday, come in and scoop up the cars. Monday, we're going to be here 9 till 7 on Monday. And even if you just need servicing, we got service departments open, parts is here, sales, so lots going on. Definitely stop on in. Well, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and uh, certainly wish you the best for the coming week, and we'll talk again in a few days. 
That would sound wonderful. And thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. Nick Tamaras, Miller Motors, the Miller Auto Team in Vestal on the Parkway, directly across from Binghamton University. It's 916. Buckle up, kids, because we will be taking phone calls. And I'm not kidding. Oh, come on, Bob, you're kidding. I am not kidding. I wouldn't kid about something this important. Phone calls are coming up. 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. on reporting of the lady in New York City that attempted to poison her body double with poisoned cheesecake. And it just made me think, you know, where in the country do you get the best cheesecake? It's New York City. And if I was going to be poisoned, I, I not that I want to, but wow, you know, that cheesecake down at, uh, in New York City is the way to go, wouldn't you say? No, I wouldn't say. But anyway, that's an interesting, yeah. an interesting twist on a very disgusting story. Yes, well, I do my best. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, uh, I have to admit, I was listening intently to the news, and I heard that story, and I try not to shake my head too much because... Sometimes, you know, stuff might fall out, but man, as that story progressed, I couldn't I couldn't stop shaking my head saying, Who would do that? Well, where there's a will, there's a way. By the way, she's just accused of it, right? She hasn't been convicted. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. Well yeah. it could have been, you know, they may find out it was pizza instead of cheesecake. Who, who knows? knows? Who? Uh, but Bob, I did want to comment on something. Uh, I want to comment on the recent opinions uh, expressed on the program between uh, John from Binghamton and Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt, this was like Wednesday, Matt took exception with John's use of the term thug when John referred to the behavior of some people at city and county government meetings. Matt objected to the use of that term to describe what, what Matt identified as participatory democracy in action. Now, uh, thug could have been seen as a pejorative term, but I, I think it does point to the breakdown of civility and decorum that is an essential element of the behavior that Matt finds acceptable in his favorite groups, such as uh, Citizen Action of New York and Plot. On this, between John and Matt, this skirmish, I, I, I come down in favor of John's point of view, uh, you know, the behavior of F-bomb disruptors at civil meetings only reflects the weakness of their argument and their inability to articulate it in a in a civil way. Well, maybe it's just they don't articulate, articulate it in a way that you would. I, I say uh, more and more people should just be allowed to use the language they want if you don't want to use... Uh, a word that you deem offensive, then don't. If somebody else wants to describe a situation using a word you find offensive, uh, allow them. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who appointed who appointed the um, you know the the uh, the cops. Well, that's objectionable. I mean, the more you think about it, and I have been doing some thinking about this. 
What gives the FCC or anyone else the right to decide what words can be said? It's not all about words, Bob. It's about yelling. It's about uh, not 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 uh, sticking within time limits. I agree with that part. I mean, if the rules, if the rules say that you have three minutes or five minutes to make a public comment, I agree. It should be enforced consistently. And as far as respect, I agree. People people should show respect for the people who are running the meeting. The um, say if it's a city council meeting, show uh, respect for the council members, and also show respect for those in attendance and for those who are watching. In terms of language, hey, almost every word in the English language is now used by virtually everyone, starting at the age of three months. So, I'm I'm, I'm starting to I I'm not a fan of those words. I am not encouraging people to use words that really uh, some people find offensive. On the other hand, let's move on. Let's get over it and grow up. Well, Bob, I'll say this. The goal, would you not say, the goal is to be tolerant of views uh, expressed on both sides. Tolerance uh, doesn't mean, you know, you ignore differences it means hearing out your opponents with civility and respect. Civility and respect are apparently not important to the quote-unquote participatory uh, agitators that Matt supports. Uh, they, they have a free-for-all. They can do whatever they want in the name of participatory democracy. Well, that's where the civil bond breaks down. And we scream at one another. We don't get anywhere with that. So it's not about f bombs. Okay, I, I agree. But let's let's take the 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 words off the table. And I mean, going forward, if people want to say those words, they I, obviously they can't on this station. Not because of my rules, because of the FCC rules. I sadly, uh, because I work here at a federally licensed radio station it's not up to me what words are allowed it's up to the fcc and i cannot uh subject my employer the licensee of this station to big fines because the fcc doesn't like certain words so but i'm talking about in the future at public meetings if it but also no need to be disrespectful use whatever words you use but use them with respect well, Bob, uh, I will say this. Now, I know between uh, the speaker on your show, whoever's talking on your show, callers, and the FCC, uh, you're, you're in the middle there, and you will apply the brakes when someone is uh, venturing into that area, which uh, the FCC would come down on. I, I, that, that's understandable. But I, I would bet that you, as someone who is uh, civil, and uh, likes to hear respectful opinions, you would also, uh, and it, it, may, it may pass muster with the FCC, but you wouldn't want to turn your show into a smutty, a vile use of language to get across points because you're, you don't speak that way. And I don't think you would allow people to uh, come on and, and, and uh, hurl whatever incendiaries they want in, in uh, however you know, uh, negative they would be. You would, you wouldn't have a show like that. You you're not going to have a a show like uh, you know 
some of the people in in the past on the on TV and radio, you know, it's all free for all stuff. You have a civil you have civil discourse, and uh, I don't I don't think you would uh, allow it to to uh, devolve into something which was uh, you know poor language and uh, semi obscenities. Well, I would strongly discourage it, but say if if someone in a, a normal conversation and making a point used a word, and we know what words we're referencing, just happened to use a word in passing, I wouldn't bleep it, except I have to because of the FCC. No, I would I would strongly discourage people from using that language, but I'm talking because a lot of people uh, did take offense at some of the language at the city council public comment session from uh, a few weeks ago. And I wasn't as concerned about some of the language as I was about the ignoring, total disregard of the rules for the public comment session as far as the length of time, the fact that you weren't supposed to touch equipment like the microphone you were supposed to address all of your comments to members of council, not to the audience. So if, say, some people, to make uh, points that they felt strongly about, if they wanted to use some strong language, I didn't think that was the biggest problem. I thought the biggest problem was how so many of the people who attended chose to ignore the rules. Well, I think words matter, and I think words and the the use of um uh, certain words shows that you do not have a vocabulary that uh, uh, supports your outlook. Uh, if you've got to use the... No, I, I agree. I, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that people make too much of it. I'd say the biggest thing, let's let's focus on things that can easily be rectified. And if there's a three-minute or five-minute time limit for comment, that's easy to enforce. If there's a, a stipulation in the rules that says don't touch the microphone or other stuff, that's enforceable. As far as if somebody... Now, if somebody gets up there and for three full minutes is dropping F-bombs, well, that should be shut down. But I'm saying if somebody feels passionately about a topic and they wind up inserting some words that I don't like and that I don't generally use... I'd say, well, that's that's part of their vocabulary. And it just is. You have to accept it. We all have different words that we use. I believe I have a fairly large vocabulary, so I have more potential words in my toolbox than some other people might. Doesn't mean I know more or that I'm better. And if some people want to use certain words to enhance what they're a point is, hey, you know, words aren't going to hurt me. If, if they use words in a threatening manner, that's a problem. If you make an implied or an explicit threat in a public comment session, that it can't be tolerated. But if you're expressing yourself with strong language, I'm not sure, especially at a city council meeting where virtually everybody there is over 18... I'm not sure that there's tremendous harm. I, I still think that there's an, a real need for de decorum, and that should be consistent. It should be applied to everyone. If the rules say 
you have this amount of time and you're supposed to address your comments to members of council, follow the rules. John from Binghamton, good morning. Hey, Bob. Uh, I would cite the uh, Planning Commission meeting a couple of days ago as proof that Binghamton uh, is certainly not the home of innovation, but it's uh, it's better than a doornail. Uh, here were the projects on the agenda. Uh, two bars, two new bars, and the pot shop. Yeah, Binghamton's going places, and it's no, no wonder City Hall put out that uh, effusive manifesto there. About, and again, I'm not being judgmental about the weed shop. Some people, I think, might have taken some of my comments the wrong way on yesterday's program. Hey, it's legal. Go smoke yourself silly um, in your home or wherever. If they set up a smoke room, uh, whatever you do. Uh, smoke whatever you're going to smoke responsibly, and then also don't endanger yourself or anyone else as you're trying to find your way home. Well, I I, I think the fella that uh, owns that thing, uh, that shop, uh, said on your program that it was he made a reference like it was like a, a new IBM. Well, he did. And by the way, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to challenge him. I I'm glad that Damian Cornwell is thinking big. Who knows? I I can't see the future, you know. It's possible 10, 20, 30 years from now, people will look at Damian Cornwell as uh, the 21st century's Thomas J. Watson. Well, what I'm, what I'm going to tell you is this. Uh, we are about to see the biggest shift uh, out of Binghamton, uh, over to the mall, over to the Vestal Parkway, as we did uh, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, uh, Binghamton is a, a diverse cesspool of people that nobody wants to be around. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can take uh, the footbridges and the river walks and all this stuff. Uh, and uh, by the way, you know, uh, on a daily basis, I don't see these politicians uh, using all these things uh, that they create. Uh, I mean, you know, except for campaign appearances. So uh, it uh, it looks bad. Now, Jason Garner was on the t- television the other day, and uh, he's clearly in over his head. Now, he says, well... We're 400 employees short. Well, that's an opportunity. Uh, and, and by the way, I didn't see a tax reduction that be, would be commensurate with the payroll being 400 jobs uh, short. I, I don't see that in their, their numbers. But uh, clearly they're setting the stage for we have to shut the nursing home down and sell it, you know, and enrich one of our contributors. Well, I, I, I think that's what the whole point a year ago, when the discussion was going on about turning over the um, operation or consulting services, whatever the contract is, however it's described, to the Bronx-based entity, I, I guess at this point, barring something truly unforeseen, in a few years, that entity probably will make an offer for the nursing home, and my guess is they're they're likely to be the only ones who are given serious consideration of taking over the nursing home on Vestal Road and privatizing the operation. Well, that's good, and uh, we should uh, also get rid of the airport. Well, what uh, about the arena? Uh, the what arena? about the forum? I mean, 
you know, I like all these. Trust me, I love the arena and the forum and the airport. But are are they absolutely necessary functions of county government? I'm just asking. No, they're not, and they're losers, and they're mismanaged, and uh, that's that. They're, you know, I love when these politicians talk. Well, that's done. You know, we've got to go into the future. Well, uh, why don't they? Uh, the things that they uh, are in control of. Why don't they uh, go into the future? But I just want to say one thing about this. Uh, it really is a a. <laughs> You know, my idea of regular airline service is daily flights to and fro. My idea of is not weekly flights. I mean, unless you're on Easter Island or something, you know. Uh, so I, I wouldn't call that scheduled air service. I'd call it more of an air charter service. But uh, how much business uh, are they going to do? And this is where the losses, underwriting the losses come in. How many people go to Orlando, Fort Myers, in the summer? Well, I don't know. Probably going to be some, I hope. Well, that's... that's No, it'll be interesting. No, I've wondered that myself. I want to see. um, And the the first week in August, what the... uh, what the passenger count is on on the uh, on the flight from BGM to Orlando, I want to see that. Well, doesn't it? I mean, think about this. They're going to underwrite up to a million dollars in losses. Now, what? I thought it was uh, one and a half million dollars. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, but uh, and I, they they won't provide me with the agreement. Uh, so, but the, the thing is, is that what businessman? wouldn't wouldn't take advantage what, what corporation wouldn't take advantage of it? well we're underwriting our losses so uh you know we'll 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 send a send our uh, uh, those planes uh, empty and, and we'll pick up uh that money so essentially what they're doing is i mean they're they're subsidizing uh the season the, the seasonality of the whole thing you know what they could do though from a marketing standpoint in june july and august and even into september when the heat and humidity in Orlando is so oppressive, they could offer, and they should market, actual relief flights. So people, especially a lot of uh, retirees from New York State or elsewhere in the Northeast. So, yeah, if you can't take this heat and humidity, a 1,000% humidity and 110-degree temperatures, why don't you uh, spend a week or two back home in Binghamton and, and we'll you know, give you uh, a $10 voucher for for speedies or whatever while you return to the northeast for a while where where it's more tolerable maybe maybe that's the solution to uh to a marketing issue you know to in the late spring and during the summer months have uh, a lot of people especially uh people who've left this area for retirement or other reasons to come back home to binghamton where where it's at least semi-tolerable during the summer well let me wrap it up for you uh, you know, we were told years ago that the mistake that, that Broome County made, it had too much money in defense, there was too much IBM, and we had to diversify. Now that we have the university in Binghamton, Johnson City, and Endicott, is there too much university? <laughs> well, hey, I think at this point we need to take what we can get. But the good news is defense spending's increasing, so those companies that are still heavily involved in defense 
are likely to get a boost over the next two or three years thanks to U.S. defense spending increases. So not sure it means more hiring, but it might mean a bit more job security at a few sites in Brome and Tauga counties. It's 9.39. This is Bob Joseph, your voice of hope on WNBF. with Bob Joseph at WNBF. Then we go back to the phones. Dan, who's calling from the Binghamton area. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, uh, uh, on Upper Court Street in Binghamton, uh, just past uh, just past the old state hospital entrance, <clears throat> there was a, uh, excuse me, there's a, a beautiful old building by the railroad tracks and uh, it was knocked down this last week. And I was wondering if any other callers knew what that was all about. Well, I hope they put in a chip fillet. <laughs> Selling lots and lots of chips. You know, they, they could get the chips over there at the chip plant, and they could sell them seven days a week, including Sundays. Yeah. A chip fillet. And they could get, you know, I want a bag of chips. And then they'd say, would you like a chicken sandwich that? And i go... Uh, I guess so. Chip fly. Well, That's my. I oh, I'll be making a formal announcement there uh, next week. So you you got the scoop, man, for chip fly. <laughs> hey, well, it is a close <laughs> Hey, Bob, but no, I think it was an old railroad building because right across the street there's a car dealership that has a very small, uh, you know, it's like it's the same style building. You know, but it's on the state hospital side. I was just curious if someone else knew uh, if somebody bought that area and they're going to. But I think it was Gorick or somebody went in there and they just leveled it this last week. Um, I just wondered if you guys knew anything about it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll find out for you. Okay, Bobby. Hey, man, keep up the good work. Hey, Bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, WNBF, yeah, coming soon. Chip Foley. Well, how come they're open on Sundays? Because people want chips on Sundays, too. Would you like a nugget with that? Well, what's in the nugget? Well, the usual nugget ingredients. Ew. Ew, is that healthy? Yes, as long as you eat a bag of chips with that. Chip filet. It's 945 WNBF, WNBF.com. What else is going on in the wide world of sports? Let's see. 
So I want to get hold of that guy, who the skier from uh, ABC's Wide World of Sports, still based on the Internet. It appears that he still is with us. I think it would be a great, great interview. Oh, wait a Holy. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Bob. Huh. Did you forget? Huh. Well, look who's looky here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. It's not even on the thing yet. Oh, Lord. Oh, sorry. I said I said a word that no, the, F- you can't. the FCC no, somebody can't say that. Well, the FCC says it's fine, but some listener may. Oh, so, oh my apologies. So here, here are the type of words. I'm going to give you a list of words that are approved. Okay. Jerry Smith, historian. Yes, yes. that's the word. Okay. Golly. Golly? Gosh. G? Yes. The G words. Oh. Only those three. Okay. An approved list of words that will meet FCC muster. So, for those who don't realize, the, the host forgot to write down that it's the second Friday of the month. Yeah. Well, while I have a chance here, let me look to, to March. Let's let's nip that. Now, the good thing about going from February to March, it's always four weeks, so it'll also be on March 10th. So yes. It's, uh, let's see, March 10th. Look, I've got you down on my calendar. I'm sure you do, because... Some of us pay attention. Because you know what you're doing. <laughs> Gerald Smythe. Smythe. S-M-Y-T-H-E. Gerald Smythe. Yeah, sounds, that's sounds remotely Canadian. Didn't you used to play a- in the NHL with a- uh, <laughs> with Tim Horton? Yes, but I had to get out of the country. Oh. Did you go over to the... Uh, did you hear I'm opening up a, a stand... Over on Court Street, it's called Chip Filet. <laughs> we sell bags of potato chips oh, that, that I get over I thought, slightly irregular. I thought the, these the, were chips of bricks that fall off buildings. Or no, things. no. For those things, of us who just forgot and try to come things, up State you know, Street, things. Oh, oh, that. Did you see that building? Yes, I did. You know, reminded me of Jethro Tull, thick as a pile of bricks. That's right. Sheesh. Well. You know, when the building is 130 years old, sometimes the bricks get a little loose. Well, but I was talking with a guy who used to own the building yesterday. Certain uh, man who owns some real estate around the area. A guy who owns this building. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's listening like Miss Bob. Miss, Mr. Machiko. Yeah. Yes. So he uh, he told me... Because I looked up, I, I, re- I remembered when, when I heard about the bricks falling off the building, I, I remembered in the past that he had also owned that property. Yes, he did for a number and, of years. Yeah, and I think he sold it about two decades ago. But okay. one thing he told me, whether it's that building, which is... Is it historic? Yes. Well, okay. it's in it's in a downtown historic district. Right. So, it's, it's the former headquarters of the Binghamton Republican newspaper. Oh, that's, that's, it, was it ever that's, a cigar that, factory? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Binghamton Republican, Binghamton Republican newspaper. Huh. How come? Whatever happened to the Binghamton Democrat newspaper? Uh, that was around as well. But well, there was one. Yes. Yep. Hmm. Binghamton Republican and was printed there at that mm-hmm. building at yes. at Henry and State. Yes. All right. Good. We will talk more about that. Trust me. Now, now that I understand what we're going to be doing <laughs> for the next hour. Yeah. Ordinar- well, okay. an hour and whatever. Yeah. Ordinarily, I would have been promoting your appearance, but you know me. It would you forgot be too too difficult to actually. It's only coming up on the tenth year anniversary in a few weeks. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'll go to Wegmans and get a cake. There you go. I was there last night, and yeah. it was yeah. the darndest thing. I was there last night, and nobody else was there. It was so quiet, you oh, could hear a pin drop. No there was nothing. No, nothing. There were no current mayors or former mayors. There you go. Dude, I wasn't there either. It was the damnedest thing. Okay. Oh, I can't say that. No, darn. Darn it. Darn it. Gosh. Gee willikers. And whiz. Cheese whiz. It's 949. This is Bob Joseph. Looks like it's shaping up to be the final day of my broadcast career on WNBF and WNBF.com. like hippie radio. It's like a blast from the past when the hippies were in charge. That's right. Peace out, man. The hippies. Solid. Put a flower in my hair. Yeah. Put a little flower in the chocolate chip mix. (laughs) I would hope so. You're going to meet some gentle people there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm still stunned that you're here. It's like, pinch me. I'm dreaming. (laughs) That's right. I just improved the show. Oh no! I'm sorry. No, it's trust no. Me. It's just uh, were, the the only the only thing going for us in the the first forty minutes. At least we had good callers. Yes, the, you the did. Host, the host, on the other hand, didn't didn't really seem to be that. Focused. Maybe we were partaking of the new the new shop in Binghamton. Yes, maybe maybe. Maybe I wasn't being truthful when I claimed that I was over reporting in Vestal. Right. Maybe, in fact, I was recording, reporting. Ugh. Reporting. You, did, uh, you, you didn't know, obey the event. sign that says stay off the grass. Really? It's oh, like, bum, bum, bum. It's like a preview. Yes. <laughs> are your headphones working? Yes, okay. they are. Well, let's take a call. Okay. Why Why waste valuable airtime? Hi, right. don't, WNBF. This is the Tom and Jerry show. Oh, <laughs> hi, WNBF. This is Tom and Jerry. You're on. Well, yes, I'm not. I've been trying to call for the past ten minutes. There's been an accident on 201 going from the Circle to uh, Vestal. Yeah. Traffic is backed up to the Circle and beyond. Jeez. And it's still like that. I, I stopped at home and uh, I'm running now. And it's uh, affected the car be right in front of me on the Circle that stopped because he wants to get on 201. They are backed up to uh, the underpass before the circle. <laughs> so it's going southbound? Uh, pardon? So it's going southbound. So if I want to go over to Harvey Stanger's place, I, I'm going to be jammed up. Oh, my God. The whole, I'm telling you, I'm on 201 right now. I'm getting off on Main Street. They are backed up to 201. I'm trying to say how far. Oops, right. I've almost almost missed the... Uh, Oh, They're almost across from the exit. I'm still looking. Hold on a second. All right. Remember, this is a live report, folks. This is Action News Live. Oh, my God. They are backed up almost to the intersection, halfway to more than halfway to the intersection on uh, Harry L and 201. See anybody you know? <laughs> uh, I think I see a gasoline truck. <laughs> Don't say that. I was well, thinking gasoline. it. Well, don't. don't I, there really is a gasoline truck, but it's not involved in the crash. Well, I mean, there's like probably a hundred cars. So I just a hundred like cars, but not involved in I, the crash. No, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say if it's a hundred car crash, Mary and Joe. 
<laughs> we were talking about the backup. Okay. We All right. Thank you, Carol from Johnson City, with our live report from Eyewitness News. There you go. Sadly, we're going to take a break and regroup, and hopefully next hour will be conducted by a professional host. I'm Bob Joseph, WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 10th. You're listening to WNBF. A section of a busy downtown street near a popular Binghamton restaurant was shut down to vehicular and pedestrian traffic after debris fell from the top of a building. State Street, just north of Henry Street, was closed late Thursday morning. City public work crews placed barricades on the west side of the building that houses Burger Monday's Bar and Grill. A Binghamton Fire Department crew spotted several bricks on the sidewalk and roadway as their truck passed through the intersection around 10.15 a.m. Fire officials noted a partial wall collapse at the top of the five-story building at 23 Henry Street. The site is located across the street from the Binghamton Federal Building. A fire investigator was notified. The city's code enforcement and engineering offices also were advised of the problem. The fire department taped off the sidewalk near the scene, and the public works department brought barricades to detour vehicles around the area. In addition to the restaurant on the street level, the building houses dozens of apartments rented by students on the upper four floors. The entrance to the Burger Monday's restaurant remained accessible. Business co-owner Matthew Jones said he did not expect the restaurant's operations would be affected by the issue. Property records indicated the structure is owned by Experience Housing 008 LLC of Manlius. The owners could not be reached for comment. Responding to a request for information from WMBF News, Deputy Mayor Megan Hyman wrote, the property owner is being issued a 24-hour emergency notice of violation and ordered a remedy. It's not known when the street and sidewalk near the scene will reopen. According to the Binghamton University website, one of the faculty members in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the Thomas J. Watson College of Engineering and Applied Sciences, Professor Serkon Choi, led his team on research that was published in the journal Advanced Energy Materials. The idea for an ingestible biobattery is as a solution for the hard-to-reach small intestine. In the Binghamton University article, Professor Choi stated in ingestible cameras have been developed to solve this issue. They can do many things such as imaging and physical sensing, even drug delivery. The problem is power. So far, the electronics are using primary batteries that have a finite energy budget and cannot function for the long term. Traditional batteries can be harmful while inside the small intestine, but Professor Choi explains that these ingestible biobatteries utilize microbial fuel cells with spore-forming bacillus subtilis bacteria that remain inert until they reach the small intestine. On Thursday, February 9th, Binghamton Metro SWAT assisted the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force with executing a search warrant at 21 Mather Street, located in Binghamton, New York. As a result of these search warrant, investigators located one loaded 9mm Smith & Wesson brand handgun, one loaded 9mm Glock brand handgun, reported stolen from Georgia, and two high-capacity handgun magazines. As a result of the investigation, Darshan Beeman was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be charged with two counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, four counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and one count of criminal possession of stolen property in the fourth degree. A New York state lawmaker is suing his fellow senators, asking the courts to get involved in the legislative process. Republican Senator Anthony Palumbo wants the court to force a full floor vote on Governor Kathy Hochul's pick to run the state's judicial system. Palumbo serves on the Senate committee whose Democratic majority rejected the nomination of Hector LaSalle. 
Progressive said he is too conservative for such an influential position. LaSalle's supporters say they're unfairly characterizing a handful of cases. Senate Democrats maintain that they fulfilled their legal duty by hearing all the testimony and voting down the nomination. A man who repeatedly attempted scheming to smuggle finches from Guyana into New York for birdsong competitions has been sentenced to a year and a day in prison. Insaf Ali was stopped at John F. Kennedy Airport in January 2022 with two packs of hair curlers that smugglers used to slip the small birds past customs officials. He pleaded guilty last summer to conspiring to import wildlife illegally. He got in probation after a 2018 guilty plea to smuggling finches into JFK. This time, Ali peached for his leniency by saying that his misdeeds were propelled by his attachment to birds and to the birds' songbird contests that have long been a Caribbean pastime. U.S. Representative George Santos was charged with criminal theft in Pennsylvania in 2017 in connection with bad checks apparently used to buy puppies from dog breeders. The case was ultimately dismissed after Santos said the nine checks totaling more than $15,000 were from a checkbook that had been stolen from him. That's according to a lawyer who said she helped Santos with the case. The theft charges were first reported Thursday by Politico. A lawyer for Santos did not return a message and a congressional aide declined to comment. The case adds to the controversy surrounding the first-term Long Island congressman who faces multiple investigations and has acknowledged lying about elements of his life story. When a giant Chinese balloon made an uninvited visit to the United States, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin turned to a hotline system set up with Beijing to defuse the situation. Austin ran into one problem, the U.S.-China crisis communications, in his February 4th call, however. Often, as happened with Austin last week, top Chinese military officials refused to get on the line. Sometimes, Chinese officials don't even pick up. Former U.S. defense officials and other China experts cite fundamental differences in the way U.S. and Chinese leaders view the value of crisis hotlines. Former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel overseeing investigations into efforts by former President Donald Trump and his allies to overturn the results of the 2020 election. That's according to a person with direct knowledge of the subpoena who spoke to the Associated Press on condition of anonymity. The subpoena depends as part of the investigation by special counsel Jack Smith was served in recent days. The extraordinary scenario of a former vice president potentially testifying against his former boss in a criminal investigation comes as Pence considers launching a 2024 Republican presidential bid against Trump. A New York City woman accused of feeding poison cheesecake to her lookalike in a bid to steal the other woman's identity has been convicted of attempted murder. Prosecutors say a jury found 47-year-old Victoria Nasarova guilty on Wednesday of trying to kill 35-year-old Oga Civic with cheesecake that had been laced with a powerful sedative. Prosecutors say the two women resemble each other, but Nasarova hoped to impersonate her victim after killing her, but Civic survived. Defense attorney Christopher Hoyt says he is disappointed with the verdict and his client is exploring her options. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of showers before 8 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 42 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour. 20% chance of rain. Tonight, slight chance of rain showers before 9 p.m. Then a chance of rain and snow showers between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Then a slight chance of snow showers after 11 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 24 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 36. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, a low near 23. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 46. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 26 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. And thanks to radio, they never really do, especially no. with the monthly history segment with noted historian Gerald Smith every yes. month on the second Friday. That's right, for nearly 10 years. That's almost a decade. That's right. And the so, historian never forgets. So you, The hosts do. But, but Look, think about who you're dealing with here. <laughs> not like you're dealing with I, any, I take what I can get. You're not dealing with any kind of powerful talent. No. Um, that's, that's absolutely. So did you say May will be your 10th anniversary? Yes, it will. All right. So May 12th. By the way, I won't be here that day. But Fine. Where's Roger Neal? Yeah, somebody good. Get Roger Neal. See Gerald Smith tenth anniversary special. A <laughs> hundred and twenty appearances. Did you think of course you didn't think. No. Well, yeah, I mean so in May twenty thirteen there was no expectation you'd no. be here. I had I had done the, I had done Bill Parker's show on and off for like seven years, but that was kind of sporadic. It was like mm. three or four times a year and mm. uh, no, I figured this would be a couple months gig, and huh? There you go. There I go. I think we surprised each other. Yes. So, oh, so uh, first off, Gerald Smith will be entertaining calls today at six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Absolutely. If you have an entertaining call, please dial now. Before before Mister Smith uh, actually entertains our first call, we do have an important shameless plug. Yes, absolutely. Shameless plug. I am teaching the history of Broome County for SUNY Broome's Continuing Ed. It's going to be on Wednesdays from 6 to 8, excuse me, starting on Wednesday, April 12th and running through Wednesday, May 10th. And if you're interested, you go to the SUNY Broome Continuing Ed website and click on look at their catalog and click on personal enrichment. You'll find it there if you want to register online. Or if you want to, you can call them. I'm sure they're able to handle that over the telephone. And the cost is $89 a person. And we meet in a classroom again, just like we used to. And uh, you have lots of PowerPoints, and we cover from prehistory right up to the current times. It's open to everybody? Oh, it's adults. Adults only. Well, if a kid wants to give them $89, I'll, I'll teach to almost anybody. So a five-year-old who comes with a fistful of cash can come in? Sure. All right. I I don't have any. Maybe the college does, but... I don't see why they would. Oh. Money talks. No one walks. That continuing ed, I mean, we always... That's that's it. In fact, I'll be submitting my summer schedule of classes pretty soon, which will include lots of walking tours. Hmm. I might sign up for that. Yeah. Sounds In fact, I'm developing two brand new ones, one for Johnson City and one for Endicott. Instead oh. of just downtown Binghamton and the west side, I figured I'll expand out a little bit. I definitely will sign up for the one in Endicott. Oh, you can probably teach it. Who knows? You might have a collaborator. How many um, sessions will, will the one in Endicott? The, just they're, they're just one session. They're always on Saturdays, usually run from 2 to 4. You dress according to the weather. But here's, I don't know dates yet because I right. haven't submitted it. But here's, um, in all seriousness, say if I was participating, yes. obviously you would be the leader. But yes. say if I had anything of substance, not just 
witty little barbs, but actually something of some historical substance yeah. or no. I, I always would you welcome allow that. me to. Oh yeah, I always welcome oh, that because people okay. walk along, they ask questions, they have comments. That's the nice thing about a walking tour is I limit it to usually to twenty people because it's hard. Traditionally, I'm walking backwards on sidewalks because I'm talking to the group of people, and uh, we stop frequent stops to. And I usually try to find a stop that we can tell two or three stories about people or buildings or events that happened in that area. Hmm. Well, okay. I have something to look forward to this There you go. That and uh, my hot dog fest. Did you hear I'm going to – I'm planning – of course, I haven't talked with the town of Owego supervisor, so he knows right. nothing about it. But, I mean, wait till Donald Castellucci finds out that I want to use the Hickory Spark in the town of Owego yeah. to host. I, I temporarily am calling it my hot dog fest and spy balloon rally. So Ooh. I'm going to schedule it the same weekend that Broome County's beloved speedy fest ah. and balloon rally and then we'll see how many people come out to a wego actually we could probably jointly promote them so if like you could get a single admission price that entitles you to visit the balloon fest and speedy rally at otsnago park so and then the same weekend you can come to see bob's hot dog fest and spy balloon rally so you're having a wiener weekend <laughs> we yeah and if we, they, we if get they, the member uh what is it armor hot dogs they have a a car that drives around. It's yes. in the shape of um, like a hoagie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's shaped like a hot dog in a bun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that congressman from I, New York I've City. I've been in that. Mm. You we, have. It was in the, uh, sure, it was in the Town Square Mall parking lot, and they opened the doors, and people could go in, take their kids in, and they they didn't give out samples. Well, I've never been inside. I One time, close to where I live, the kid that drives it, yeah, he had to stay someplace at night because they're not allowed to drive all but, night. But yeah, yes. So I spotted it on my way into work, and I, I told someone in the hotel parking lot. I told no, I asked someone politely. I said, "Would you please take a picture of me next to this thing?" And they said, "Yeah." And then they stole my camera. Ah, uh, I'm kidding. That part is a lie. Oh, okay. Bum 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 bum. You know. That's that's called the writer's embellishment because otherwise it wasn't a very good. Because you always have a lens for news, not a nose, but just a lens. Let's entertain a call, please. Let's uh, DJ from Binghamton is our first caller for Jerry Smith this morning. Morning, John. I have questions, but first I have to ask: Who's that lady that says, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my"? Ask your question, DJ. Jerry Smith has been anticipating this. What's your question? Okay, here's my question for Gary. Listen, check this out. Do you know the name? No, no, the place. Me and my brother have an argument. So my brother Jerry, named after my dad, Jerry the Barber, uh, he thinks that the Forever family was an Endicott. But I think I have a pretty good memory. When I was 14 or 15, we went in there. And I thought they were on Main Street, Jerry, in Binghamton. Not far from the Crest Theater. You remember the Crest? Yes, but My I... My mother says they were in Endicott, the Forever family. That's who they're making this movie about coming out, the Jesus Revolution. That's one of the groups with Kelsey Grammer. You know about that movie, Jer? Um, just vaguely, but I don't know Forever family. What kind of... Was it a store, or what was it? <laughs> no. You, so you remember Haight-Ashbury and... Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Woodstock, all the sure. things, right? They yes. Smoke pot, free love. Yeah, free love, smoke pot. 
Well, a lot of them got saved. One of the groups was called the Forever Family, and I think they were on Main Street near the Crest Theater in the 70s. My brother Jerry, who's named after my dad, Jerry the Barber, thinks that they were in Endicott. So they are a group of, quote, hippies. They probably don't like being called that. I don't know. Maybe they like it. Hippies who got saved. They quit smoking pot. They quit. All right. Well, we'll we'll throw it out there to yeah. the, the listeners. The listeners, yeah, because will I know. actually don't have the answer. So yeah, the and listeners will know. Well, okay. somebody out there okay. may know. Well, thank you anyway. Yeah. Okay, thank All you. Right. Thanks. I. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. I'm well, sorry. Now we are. Apparently, if it was cows in the town of Shenango, I could tell you more about it. But mm-hmm. now we'll have a listener. Yeah, we we have a caller now. We have a winner. Caller number one. Good morning. You're the winner. I am? Yeah. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? <laughs> Willie from Endicott. All right. So uh, congratulations. You're uh, you're on the air with Jerry Smith. What do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. What did I win? Six, you, 60 seconds of airtime with America's go. most dangerous historian. <laughs> okay. You know what? The only thing I wanted to say to you is I grew up in Schnangel Bridge. We moved up there in 1947. There was nothing there. And I remember walking that old bridge more than once that he was talking about in the paper. Okay. Is I the, went to Shenango Valley. We used to walk it. Did you? And once in a while, we'd cheat and we'd walk the railroad trestles. Oh, I was going to say, because anyway, they were very close to each other. Yes, they were. And uh, when I grew up in Shenango Bridge, you, you were a wimp unless you jumped off the piers at least once. Okay, into the Shenango River. So were you filming that for TikTok? <laughs> no, that was back in 1956. Come on. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, because I graduated in 59. Okay. But some guys would jump off the top, and it was real deep around those piers. Okay. Real deep. Yep. But anyway, that was a great article. I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank All you. Right. Well, thanks for the call, and again, congratulations from your friends at WNBF. See, he, he won. Yeah, he got. Actually, we gave him a bonus. It was sixty-six seconds. Wow, that's very that's good for us. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. We will entertain more calls. Plus, we have a very very important site to explore. Oh yes, we do. We'll talk more about the bricks. That's right. Yeah, not the brickyard. No, but no, the bricks. Not the bricks. The bricks. Look above. That's right. And duck your head. Duck. Duck. And cover. That's right. It's coming up next on WNBF with the historian who's not afraid to answer a few questions. This is WNBF. What's the frequency, Kenneth? 1290 AM. What about FM? Um, I forget. It's not on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was just testing it's you. It's 90-something or another. Is it like ninety one point one oh five point six? No, six oh eight point one. No, it's ninety something or another. I feel like Dan Rather. What's the frequency, <laughs> Kenneth? Well, my name's not Ken, so. Well, it's definitely twelve ninety a.m. plus wnbf dot com. Oh, you want me to tell you? I want to be, you to tell me so the I can frequency see. on on on, on, on FM. FM frequency yeah. modulation. Yes. yes. Well, as Mr. Marconi could tell you, if he were still alive, yes, WNBF transmits on a frequency of 92.1. 92.1. FM. Right. Actually, let's... Uh, 
just for kicks. Cause yeah. I, don't, I don't play this much anymore. James Kelly plays this every morning, so I figure he plays it, so I don't. Because okay. I want to give him something exclusive, but I'll make an exception. Listen to this. This is the guy who actually tells. Because technically on FM, our call letters are not WNBF. Because exactly. they have, it's it's a long, long, twisted process. Yes, Only absolutely. the FCC knows why, but listen carefully. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. So the only reason it's W221EJ is because of Endicott Johnson. Right. And the FCC would not, under any circumstances, allow us to call it W221IBM because you can't have three because, letters. Exactly. Oh, there you go. So if I could, I would. Yeah. But I can't, so I shan't. Very good. All right. What is our goal this hour? What is it, $1,000? Uh, uh, I think $1,290. Yeah, we there want. we go. $1,290. So let's see. We've, so far, we've raised zero, but we have 35 we have minutes to go. So, um, so remember, every little bit counts. That's right. <laughs> You're going to help those children in my house. No, no. They're going to help my dogs. My There you go. My dogs like to eat good food. Yes. So they won't so have to So do my eat. cats. Yeah. yeah. So, again, help the starving kitties and doggies, you know. Yes, they're, give, a lot, they're a lot give cuter. Often, give frequently. A lot cuter yes. than the host of the program. Absolutely, and me too. So again, yeah. you know, save save the pups and cats. That's it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I know I could be taking a break. Did say, you see this? I was going to say, are we still on the air? Apparently. Did so, we see this? We, ha- we have pictures in today's paper. Yes, on page 3A. There's Happy Pappy. Yes. But the most important thing of my Friday paper <laughs> is the Gerald Smith feature. The Southern Tier throwback. And look at this. Yeah. The Snappy Clothes Shop. This is where I used to get my clothes at Willow Street in Johnson City. There you go. The Snappy. Snappy Clothes. clothes. Here's... Uh, I like that one. That's why I threw it in there. Yeah. Also in 1920 on Water Street in Binghamton. The uh, Binghamton Weed Company. They were selling weed back in 1920 over on Water Street. Yes. <laughs> then the Shenango Silk Company. Yes. Gotham Shoe Manufacturing. Yes. We made lots of things in 1920. And here's something that I didn't know. I just discovered this now because I've been familiar with the concept called fair play. Yeah. Fair play. Caramel. Yeah. Caramel. Caramel. Some of us say but, caramel. I know. I know. Just being caramel difficult. grove. But but the great thing about it was what what we didn't know or what I didn't know is what what the original company was called. And ideal, you, yeah, ideal candy. Ideal company, candy, and then became yeah. Fair Play Manufacturing Confectioners. And by the way, that's where the original BB bat was made. That's right. So if, there you go. A few kids like BB bats, and what what were the other things that would wreck oh, your teeth? I forgot the other. There was another big one they did, and I've just it's gone right out of my head. Just thinking about them, they, you they can used still to, buy BB bats. Yeah, it's licensed. I think yes. they're ma- actually made in Mexico, but the but they sell candy them. That's right. still yeah. But uh, four out of five doctor or dentists agreed that your kids should eat lots of BB bats because yes. they had they had children they were trying to put through college. So if you if you gave your kid a that's lot of right. BB bats and some of the other stuff from Fair Play Caramel, you kept those dentists in business. Yep. Yeah, I think. Um, I think those candies from Fair Play were 
were actually endorsed by the American Dental Association. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Brought in lots of revenue. Yes. We'll continue this, okay. historic, this historic broadcast coming up on WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Thank you. I Thank remembered you. that one. Very good. Thank you. Welcome. Friday morning with Bob Joseph and historian Gerald Smith here at WNBF. You can ask the historian if you call 607-772-1290. Dave from Vestal, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning there, Bob and uh, Jerry. Um, Well, I was calling about a restaurant. Okay. And uh, Yes, uh, Old Del Ab in Endicott. Yes. Yes. 50s, 60s, it was really popular. Um, matter of fact, some nefarious people used to go there and, and eat a lot. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'd be there. I, yeah. <laughs> want, Bob, were you there? No, oh, but I, okay. one, one of my teachers at UE, his grandfather was often there, and he, he used well, yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> because right ultimately, there, but, but is, I, is, are you talking is, about these kinds of people? Not, don't, oh no, we, we don't want trouble. No, I didn't. I mean, I'm serious. Were. I don't care. Be careful. Here. <laughs> in, I'm just saying because they're I, still there. I, yeah. yeah, but but anyway, it's all part of Endicott's uh, yes, colorful history, and yes. that's why they have the beautiful green, white, and red stripe yes. on, in Little Italy. For so Little Italy. You're, yeah. you, no doubt, are referring to the delightful Duff's restaurant. Yes. Well, what, and I remember, I was a little kid. I remember my father used to be able to go there. Anyone could walk in. You could walk in with an empty big pot, and they'd fill it with spaghetti and meatballs for you. You'd pay, take it home. You didn't have to eat there. Mm. It was a... It was quite a place. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've ne- I was never there, but I've heard of it. I've run across it. I don't know how many times. And you're right, because of that neighborhood, there were some interesting characters that lived in or around Endicott at that time. But that's true of every neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I, right. I, I, I mean, look at the neighborhood around here. They oh, even allow me here. Well, I loved <laughs> I had a great conversation with Marion Carino. And, of course, she lived in the EJ house that her parents, because they had both worked for EJ, and she grew up in that neighborhood. And she said we always had some wonderful families, and we knew which ones we could enjoy ourselves with and which ones we were polite with, but you stayed away from. So it's 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 had a – it's had a – of course, you're talking about the same period as the, the – the Appalachian mob raid. So, Correct. Yeah, Correct. but you know, a lot of that I think was overblown. I think, I think the liberal media was trying to sell oh, papers yes, with absolutely. that. Like November nineteen fifty nine. They they had no other stories to tell. I I remember we had the FBI report. It was this big. Uh, well, it wasn't big, but it was a good size legal document, legal size paper documenting the whole event and who they had spotted, what kind of car they had. Uh, you know, there were black caddies and Buicks and Oldsmobiles and such, and what hotel these characters were staying in. And the woman wanted me to li- read the names of those who had been arrested. 
Now, mind you, all those people had to be released because they, they had done nothing wrong except to show up for a barbecue for a sick friend. Right. But when I read it, she said, you're only reading the Italian names. I said, "That's I'm just reading the list. I, I'm not making anything up or leaving anything out. You know, it's a, but it was a period of our existence, and it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It was just it was what it was. Right. I love our history. And I'm sure, I'm sure some of them showed up at Duff's once in a while. I would hope you know? so. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, matter of fact, as a little kid, I used to walk around that neighborhood. I, I used to, I, matter of fact, I'd go in and, and Duff would give me free meatballs and let me sit there and bang on the piano. They had an old piano there. Oh, I used okay. to love those meatballs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Duff. And Duff. And then I walked. Sure. Yeah. Then well, I, I walk up to Tedeschi's, and uh, back in the day, they had those big barrels, you know, where you can reach down in and grab olives. And he used to chase me out of there. I'd reach down and grab them and eat them. <laughs> they were. Well, I mean, you think that, I mean, that's that's the birthplace of the Speedy is up there with the, the Yacabellis yeah. and such. Guido. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so. Duff was Adolf Consul, and he he mm-hmm. ran that that place for, according to the newspaper, for about thirty six years. Yeah. And I'm looking at the newspaper because it was thirty seven years ago, it was January nineteen eighty six. That those I was going to about I was prepared to use a bad word. Those great people from Armonk, from a major corporation, corporation that may sound close to the word Hal. But in different letters, right? Yes, and it was they. They had a nickname that rhymes with igloo, big blue. The the big blue company from yeah. Armonk bought Duff's, and then they tore it down. Yeah, Dave, they tore mm-hmm. Duff's restaurant down because they said they needed a parking lot, and then. After they tore it down in January 1986, they never needed that parking. In yeah. fact, uh, right about that time is when they started their exit strategy to, yes. to get out of Endicott before the cops got, caught them. <laughs> or the EPA or the yeah. DEC or the FBI. So his name was Consul, so he is also related to the Consul's. Consul's Kitchen. Oh, and right. you can still, yep. the, mm-hmm. one of the trademarks of the hot pies yes. that, that Duff's Restaurant had is is. If you got them to go, they would wrap them in paper, and then you would haul them out, and you can still do that. I did that a few weeks ago okay. from Consul's Family Kitchen. They and, still, and of course, still Oaks, use. Oaks Inn is still there, and it still says Hot Pie yes. on the sign. Yes. Mm-hmm. If if you're on Endicott's north side, most likely they can tell if you're a native or not if you order a hot pie. Yes, and you not know. a pizza. Yeah. You know, yes. and, I mean, and again, nothing against Nurchies, for example, no, no, or Rossi's, because, you know, as, as I've often said, my mother said she called it a hot pie until she was well into her adulthood, because that's mm-hmm. what everybody grew up calling him. Yeah. I remember Duff being a nice man, and he always had a cigar. That guy, he, he always had a cigar in his mouth when I saw him. Hmm. Remind me of Red Arback, uh, the ex-Celtic owner. Well, always a cigar in his mouth. Well, always. I, always. I just oh, vaguely yeah. remember vaguely remember him, because we, we used to go to, to Duff sometimes for... Mm. Spaghetti and pizza, and mm-hmm. it was fun. Good place. Yeah, but I, I never had the chance. Never had the chance to uh, really get to know Duff because I was too young. But I great what? memories at that restaurant. Yeah, oh, gr- gr- great smell of Italian food. Mm. And then she went down the down to the bottom of the hill. You got to smell the tannery. I mean, what a big difference! <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> but those were the trademark smells of of Endicott's North Side. That's, and that's thank right. goodness, thank goodness, we had. I, I you know. Yes, there were the 
tannery smells from the Endicott Johnson factories. And then if you went a little bit further uh, to the east, the other smells you would smell from the IBM factory, you shouldn't inhale. That's right. Those are the chemicals, man. That's that's why 500 homes and businesses in Endicott now yeah. have those um, Because of our industrial history. So. It's a great history, but it's still industrial history. Yeah. Appreciate your call. Thank you. I mean, I commend IBM for paying for all those well, um, yeah. those um, but vapor still. systems, but still. Do you think that actually helps people in Endicott when they're selling their property? It's like, yeah, what is that white thing churning out? Like yesterday, I'm driving by yeah, I, uh, I know. behind uh, one of the alleys on Washington Avenue, and I'm saying, look, because it's, it was just the right temperature, so it was spewing out yeah. like little, little steamlets. Well, and I... Remember when this story broke and I got called as the historian, and he said, you don't seem to be surprised about the pool. And I said, look, this has been an industrial town where EJ and IBM were there. They put their garbage into a dump that's now a Kmart. That's Uh, that's the way it was done. Anatech was there. Link was here. I mean, these were... And at the way, that was the proper method at the time. Of course, in that case, that's a spill, but also it was part of our... Unfortunately, bad education of living in an industrial town is you also have to be cognizant of what the dangers may be. Which is why when new industries come in, they're more aware of that now. Well, we need the jobs. I say, yes. I say I, in exchange for 20,000 jobs, <laughs> in exchange for 20,000 jobs, go, go ahead and do whatever you want. <laughs> we need the jobs. That's, that, that should be on the... But I'd love to see Endicott with the, the resurgence with new manufacturing, reuse some of the factories, build new factories, put mm. energy-efficient battery production, whatever other products done safely. But what happens if they spill the lithium? Well, now that's a real issue. Okay, I'm just checking. And that's why there has to be safeguards. I just wanted to... We have to learn our lessons as well. All right. I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. It's 1040. WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Ten forty-three with Bob Joseph on WNBF, along with historian Gerald Smith. Let's take another call. It's Bob from Vestal. Good morning. Hey guys. Hi. Hey, you were talking about Duff's. Yes. I remember going over there uh, with this guy and his wife. We used to go over there and get pizza. I was like eighteen years old, so that was like probably what nineteen seventy-two, and I'm pretty sure that was on. Where Duff sat was right on the edge of the parking lot. I ended up working in that big IBM warehouse right there. And I'm pretty sure, but I'm not, you know, that many years ago, your memory definitely fades, you know. But uh, I just, would anybody have pictures? I heard there was where they built that warehouse I worked in. There was like 50 houses they had to take out. Oh, yeah. IBM just, they they tore down houses, they tore down Duff's. and, And the guy from IBM... He said uh, IBM plans to use the site of the former restaurant as a parking lot for its 
two building technology development center at Clark Street and Oak Hill Avenue. And uh, he pointed out, and that was in January 1986, that the company already had started occupying one of the buildings. So IBM had big plans, and then ultimately they... Now, I can tell you that there are aerial shots of that taken in the... 1950s, early 1960s that are over at the local history and genealogy center on the second floor of the Broome County Public Library because we, a lot of those were taken by Bob Garvin who did a lot of aerial shots of development and such and they're they're crystal clear so you could see it from above. I don't know if we have any street level shots or not. I don't recall because the trouble is there's they have 80,000 photographs over there so there's, I don't remember all of them but uh I well, well, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing the aerial. Can you really pick out, like, say, the warehouse? Oh yes, yeah. The, the, his Bob Garvin was an interesting character. He flew his own Piper Cub plane and had his camera mounted to the wing with his own lens system. And his his aerial shots are crystal clear, uh, so you can see a lot of details. And he, oh, I heard Endicott Lumber and Box was right where the trucks that used to back in for us to load. Okay. Endicott Lumber and Box. It was. Right there. Yep. Okay. I know exactly where that was then. Not too far away was Whittemore Lumber and Box. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I just I might have to come up there to Binghamton. You know, a lot of times those lumber, yeah. you know, what happened a lot of times with those lumber places is they burned down. Yes. Yeah. Robertson Lumber had a major fire in the 1950s on Main Street in uh, between Johnson City and Binghamton, so it's a it's sort of an occupational hazard. Yeah. And Vestal Lumber, I think they've had their uh, things over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Empire L- All right. Lumber. Thank yeah. you. All right, thank thanks, you. Bob. Yeah, Empire Lumber. They they had that a was fire, a major bug. fire, a fire bug. Yes, yeah. yes. Because like, my father used to go there when they were building homes. Yeah. But then an arsonist decided. Yes. Decided. It that was, was a family yes, run business for terrible. years. I remember that was yeah. A, Horrific conflagration. Yes. Ooh, big word, because you have an extensive vocabulary. They taught I me well. I didn't say IQ. I just I, said vocabulary. No, yeah. I, IQ is, I measure my IQ in Celsius. <laughs> my IQ is 8 Celsius. Oh, okay. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air with Jerry Smith. Good morning. Well, who is this? What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Dick from the north side. Yeah, what's up? Okay, here's my question. Say, for instance, you lived in the First Ward in the mid-40s. Okay. Say, for instance, you wanted to go to Shenango Valley State Park. (laughs) Okay. How would you get there? Um, Pretend pretend we're already on Front Street. Oh, okay, darn. (laughs) If I lived on the north side... uh, Now... You mean you're talking in the first ward? I would probably would have gone Front Street over to. Hmm, I could take a couple different routes. I could go up Front Street all the way up to Shenango Bridge, cross the river, go up Route Seven, which was called the Towpath, to get to the state park, or you could cross the DeForest Street Bridge over to Shenango Street. Go up through Hillcrest that way to get on Route 7, and again go up Route 7, the towpath, up to Route 369 in Port Crane, and go into the park that way. Yeah, see, because I, I was curious, uh, 
I used to ride my bicycle, and I had no idea how far. Do you have any idea how well, many miles from, that from is? the first ward up to Shenango Valley State Park? Uh, I'm going to calculate quickly. You're talking. Let's see. Twenty-six miles. No, no, it would have been more like, let's see, six miles to Shenango Bridge, another four, yeah, that's about 10, about 10 to 12 mile bicycle ride just to get to the park. Really? And then, of well, course, you've got to come back, too. Well, oh, yeah. Right. Well, I recall, but I don't ever remember uh, the actual brandy wine I thought was put in around 1952. Okay. Yeah, because uh, then by that time I was driving a car, but I used to ride my bicycle with somebody on it. Okay, <laughs> good for you. All the way from the first ward to the Shenango State Valley Park. And yeah. By the time we got there, <laughs> I don't think we did too much swimming because that was the only lake around that I knew of. Right. Well, and of course, if you knew, if you were in the know, you would go up Rogers Road, which was the back entrance into the park, and you could avoid oh. paying the park fee, so you didn't have to. You could yeah. sneak in. Very interesting. Well, I appreciate call. Thank you, sir. Ten fifty. Bob Joseph and Jerry Smith exclusively on WNBF. Yes. And WNBF.com. Yeah. Texting privacy. News Radio 1052 WNBF. Well, so this building actually in our neighborhood was in the news because yes, it was. the um, there there was some um, bricks action yesterday morning. Right about this time, there was some action over at Henry and State. Yes, and the building official address is twenty three Henry Street. Yes, so. Of course, I couldn't get over there right away because I had stuff I was required contractually to do here at the like station. be on the air. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, a partial parapet wall collapsed. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, PPW. Yes. And so it looked to me like perhaps um, 10 to 12 bricks fell from the top of that five-story building. But I was talking with a, a, a kid who um, really is interested in local history, and he, he wanted to know, Bob, what do you think that building used to be? And I said, well, who knows? And he said, well, do you think it could have been a cigar factory? And I said, could have been. But I said, you know, the next time I speak with Jerry Smith, not knowing that it would be just a few hours. That should have been my first clue. It's like, wait, is it the second Friday of the month? Well, yeah. So anyway, what... That was... Yeah, what the history of the building. That was built uh, somewhere in the 1880s as the Binghamton Republican Newspaper Building. And because at that point in time, from that point up to the early 1900s, we had five daily newspapers operating... And they would have the Binghamton Democrat, the Binghamton Republican. You had the Broome County Weekly Democrat, the Broome County Weekly Republican. Uh, and so that was operational there from that point, I think, up until about 1918 when they merged to become the Morning Sun newspaper, later the Sun Bulletin, 
which was headquartered on the corner of Henry and Shenango Streets. Really? Uh, and then, of course, it was a number of uses. It was Burger Ski Shop. For oh, many, I'm just many looking. Decades. By the way, even before that, um, there was an auto supply store there. Okay. In the 1920s, I see an ad in the press for uh, an auto supply. I get, or maybe it was next door. Maybe, yeah, it could have been actually just one building to the east. But um, yeah, I remember when it was a ski shop. Oh yeah, for many decades. And then lately, it's been restaurants. I mean, most recently for quite a few years, Burger, Burger Mondays. Mondays has been there for a number of years. Yeah, All right. yeah. It's so the building itself is about a hundred and thirty some years old. Hmm. So it's not surprising that the brickwork may have some gotten some moisture behind there, and then the mortar has loosened up. Uh, that happens on a lot of brick buildings of that age. That's the thing, and it happened actually not too long ago at 95 Court Street. Yes. That's the, um, well, it used to be a bank. Now it's all boarded up. Right. But um, some of the stuff at the top there near the entrance, it, it came it's falling down. usually the roof because there's it's water seepage and such because of drainage issues. And, oh, I know, because I couldn't remember, thankfully, the newspaper jog my memory before it was burger mondays it was zazu Russell. yes yeah zazu but burger mondays has been there longer oh, i believe and the burgers i've had many lunches there oh and such good burgers and yes. fries did i mention yes. the fries yes oh. yeah. love fries let's try to squeeze in one more call is okay. it okay if we entertain one more call absolutely hi wnbf you're on the air with jerry smith oops well there you go fine 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 so that's, fine if that be that way <laughs> It's <laughs> same to you, Buster. Yeah, I know who it was, too. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, but I can't tell you. Okay. Here, All I, right, fine. It was okay. No, it's a regular caller, yes. but I, and I know what he... Because he had, he had a secret plan to be the last caller because he, he thought he would have a good historic note to end on. Okay. But now... Now he's you know, gone. He's probably thinking of burgers and saying... See, isn't that interesting? It just occurred to me... So it used to be Burger Ski Shop, and now it's, it's Burger Burgers Monday. Monday. But yeah. with a different spelling. Burger Ski Shop is B-E-R-G-E-R. And they're still around. And not too far away. Right. Just about a block away. Yes. They moved over well, to the old Collier Street, Collier Paint Store, and now they're back over on um, uh, Lewis Street. Near the uh, Firestone. Yes. Across the street. Absolutely. It's all part. Of the rich fabric of life we know as the Parlor City. That's right. You know. And on WNBF. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that we actually are, are going to have an episode on March 10th? Or, yeah. um, I, Should I just pencil this in or can I put I, it in ink? I, I mean, I know you'll I, be here. but I, I plan on it whether you say. show up or not. You so know? The way things went today, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking you'll be solo. Well, really, now the audience might enjoy that more. <laughs> I know that's that's no the, the company doesn't care, but the audience, you know, by acclamation, yes. Gerald Smith. There we go. Designated the new host. But anyway, I'll be back on March tenth okay. on Friday. I have it penciled in my schedule. Very so good, thank you, Bobby. Ultimately, up to the listeners. Yes. thank you, Jerry. Have a great week. <laughs> you too. And there you go, folks. Coming up next, we will have more calls about all topics here on a fun Friday. Bob Joseph at News Radio WNBF. 
Friday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 10th. You're listening to WMBF. A section of a busy downtown street near a popular Binghamton restaurant was shut down to vehicular and pedestrian traffic after debris fell from the top of a building. State Street, just north of Henry Street, was closed late Thursday morning. City public work crews placed barricades on the west side of the building that houses Burger Monday's Bar and Grill. A Binghamton Fire Department crew spotted several bricks on the sidewalk and roadway as their truck passed through the intersection around 10.15 a.m. Fire officials noted a partial wall collapse at the top of the five-story building at 23 Henry Street. The site is located across the street from the Binghamton Federal Building. A fire investigator was notified. The city's code enforcement and engineering offices also were advised of the problem. The fire department taped off the sidewalk near the scene, and the public works department brought barricades to detour vehicles around the area. In addition to the restaurant on the street level, the building houses dozens of apartments rented by students on the upper four floors. The entrance to the Burger Monday's restaurant remained accessible. Business co-owner Matthew Jones said he did not expect the restaurant's operations would be affected by the issue. Property records indicated the structure is owned by Experience Housing 008 LLC of Manlius. The owners could not be reached for comment. Responding to a request for information from WMBF News, Deputy Mayor Megan Hyman wrote, the property owner is being issued a 24-hour emergency notice of violation and ordered a remedy. It's not known when the street and sidewalk near the scene will reopen. According to the Binghamton University website, one of the faculty members in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the Thomas J. Watson College of Engineering and Applied Sciences, Professor Serkon Choi, led his team on research that was published in the journal Advanced Energy Materials. The idea for an ingestible biobattery is as a solution for the hard-to-reach small intestine. In the Binghamton University article, Professor Choi stated ingestible cameras have been developed to solve this issue. They can do many things, such as imaging and physical sensing, even drug delivery. The problem is power. So far, the electronics are using primary batteries that have a finite energy budget and cannot function for the long term. Traditional batteries can be harmful while inside the small intestine, but Professor Choi explains that these ingestible biobatteries utilize microbial fuel cells with spore-forming bacillus subtilis bacteria that remain inert until they reach the small intestine. On Thursday, February 9th, Binghamton Metro SWAT assisted the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force with executing a search warrant at 21 Mather Street, located in Binghamton, New York. As a result of these search warrant, investigators located one loaded 9mm Smith & Wesson brand handgun, one loaded 9mm Glock brand handgun, reported stolen from Georgia, and two high-capacity handgun magazines. As a result of the investigation, Darshan Beeman was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be charged with two counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, four counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and one count of criminal possession of stolen property in the fourth degree. A New York state lawmaker is suing his fellow senators, asking the courts to get involved in the legislative process. Republican Senator Anthony Palumbo wants the court to force a full floor vote on Governor Kathy Hochul's pick to run the state's judicial system. Palumbo serves on the Senate committee whose Democratic majority rejected the nomination of Hector LaSalle. 
Progressive said he is too conservative for such an influential position. LaSalle's supporters say they're unfairly characterizing a handful of cases. Senate Democrats maintain that they fulfilled their legal duty by hearing all the testimony and voting down the nomination. A man who repeatedly attempted scheming to smuggle finches from Guyana into New York for birdsong competitions has been sentenced to a year and a day in prison. Insaf Ali was stopped at John F. Kennedy Airport in January 2022 with two packs of hair curlers that smugglers used to slip the small birds past customs officials. He pleaded guilty last summer to conspiring to import wildlife illegally. He got in probation after a 2018 guilty plea to smuggling finches into JFK. This time, Ali peached for his leniency by saying that his misdeeds were propelled by his attachment to birds and to the birds' songbird contests that have long been a Caribbean pastime. U.S. Representative George Santos was charged with criminal theft in Pennsylvania in 2017 in connection with bad checks apparently used to buy puppies from dog breeders. The case was ultimately dismissed after Santos said the nine checks totaling more than $15,000 were from a checkbook that had been stolen from him. That's according to a lawyer who said she helped Santos with the case. The theft charges were first reported Thursday by Politico. A lawyer for Santos did not return a message and a congressional aide declined to comment. The case adds to the controversy surrounding the first-term Long Island congressman who faces multiple investigations and has acknowledged lying about elements of his life story. When a giant Chinese balloon made an uninvited visit to the United States, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin turned to a hotline system set up with Beijing to defuse the situation. Austin ran into one problem, the U.S.-China crisis communications, in his February 4th call, however. Often, as happened with Austin last week, top Chinese military officials refused to get on the line. Sometimes, Chinese officials don't even pick up. Former U.S. defense officials and other China experts cite fundamental differences in the way U.S. and Chinese leaders view the value of crisis hotlines. Former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel overseeing investigations into efforts by former President Donald Trump and his allies to overturn the results of the 2020 election. That's according to a person with direct knowledge of the subpoena who spoke to the Associated Press on condition of anonymity. The subpoena depends as part of the investigation by special counsel Jack Smith was served in recent days. The extraordinary scenario of a former vice president potentially testifying against his former boss in a criminal investigation comes as Pence considers launching a 2024 Republican presidential bid against Trump. A New York City woman accused of feeding poison cheesecake to her lookalike in a bid to steal the other woman's identity has been convicted of attempted murder. Prosecutors say a jury found 47-year-old Victoria Nasirova guilty on Wednesday of trying to kill 35-year-old Oga Civic with cheesecake that had been laced with a powerful sedative. Prosecutors say the two women resemble each other, but Nasirova hoped to impersonate her victim after killing her, but Civic survived. Defense attorney Christopher Hoyt says he is disappointed with the verdict and his client is exploring her options. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, a slight chance of showers before 8 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 42 degrees. Wind gusts as high as 28 miles per hour. 20% chance of rain. Tonight's slight chance of rain showers before 9 p.m. Then a chance of rain and snow showers between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Then a slight chance of snow showers after 11 p.m. Mostly cloudy with a low near 24 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 36. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, a low near 23. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 46. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 26 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
And this is Bob Joseph on your Friday morning at News Radio WNBF. 607-772-1290 is the number if you'd like to talk on our radio program. Answer is go west, young man. Then you'll find San Jose. If you keep going west, you'll probably get there within the next oh, I would say ten days or so. Six zero seven 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 two twelve nine. We'll be taking some calls between now and noon on our Friday program. Thank you for joining us, Beverly, in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Um. I seen that the, uh, the town of Dickerson supervisor was was on uh, was on the news yesterday. I didn't realize that uh, there was activities over over on the Watford. I always thought that people were just walking across there. Yeah, I saw that. I, I mean, he told me about that when I spoke with him earlier in the week that there had been some problems with with people. You know, say people up to no good who came over. So there were some issues. All right. Yeah. So, so I guess it's coming down in September. Well, from 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 what people tell me. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope it does. Now, I mean, can't do anything about it. So, what can you do? Yeah, I know. I think we already we already have established. Once the DOT makes up its mind, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I wonder how you're going to get in a park. I don't know. There'll be a back. There'll be a back entrance. I doubt it. I think there should be, but you know, I don't. I don't know. It's very. On on one hand, it's it's progress. On the other hand, it's kind of sad to see um, a beautiful uh, pedestrian bridge being torn down. I mean, they they spent good money. They spent good money, taxpayers' oh, yeah, money. They spent almost four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and that was a lot of money in that time. Back in the day, yeah, back in nineteen sixty-eight or sixty-nine. So I don't know. See what happens. I appreciate your call. Okay, thanks. It's eleven fifteen. This is Bob Joseph. As we always do, we ask a few questions and also answer a few questions at WNBF and WNBF dot com. Hi, folks.
Friday morning with Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Preston Sun Bulletin newspaper has advised funeral homes that starting soon there will be earlier deadlines in place for death notices for obituaries to be uh, published. And this could uh, have an impact not just on funeral directors but also on uh, many families in the area because when you lose a loved one, you like to... uh, expeditiously put the word out so people people know what's happened and also can be aware of services and so that's that's something that people will have to adjust to joining us now to talk about these changes with the uh, the newspapers schedule for uh, getting information in for obituaries is Kurt Eschbach who is the owner of Hop Hopler and Eschbach Funeral Home at 483 Shenango Street on Binghamton's north side. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Bob. Thank you for having me on to help uh, discuss this issue. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. When I learned of this, I, I thought, well, that's, on one hand, it's it's curious and and somewhat disappointing. And then I thought, well, the way things have been going with print newspapers, not just here in Binghamton, but nationwide, I guess I wasn't uh, too surprised. Tell us a little bit about the process of of how the information gets assembled and and ultimately conveyed to the newspaper. I mean, things have changed actually quite dramatically over the the last couple of decades. The way um, obituaries ultimately uh, wind up being publicized, whether it's in the newspaper or on the websites of funeral homes. Oh, that, I think that's true. When I started as a funeral director almost 30 years ago, we used to have to phone the obituaries in verbally and uh, sit and wait on hold, you know, calling two or three obituaries. You might spend an hour on the phone. And then in the 90s, we came, they came up with fax machines, and then we've been emailing them. But, but in general, the funeral home gathers the information with the family. They either provide it in its entirety or we work with them to compose it, and we submit it to the uh, newspaper. And uh, they, of course, they have a deadline now, a, a day and a half ahead of the uh, publication date. So, if you want an obituary on 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 Monday, you have to have it in on Saturday by noon, uh, which could be difficult if a family's been up. If someone dies Friday evening and they come into the funeral home on Saturday and talk to a talk to the funeral director, we have to have time to meet with them, gather the information, and submit it to them before the deadline. So. You know, we might not get an obituary until Tuesday, uh, depending if we miss their deadline, and that that creates delays for a uh, or possible delays for a family who's trying to hold the service. So, funeral directors recently received this notice about the uh, change in deadlines for the Gannett papers, including the Press and Sun Bulletin. What I thought was curious was the way it was worded. They they said due to unforeseen circumstances with a press schedule that the deadline for obituaries will be changing permanently. And as soon as I saw that, I immediately thought, wait, I remember doing a story in January that Gannett had announced it was going to close down its newspaper plant near Rochester in April, and therefore all of the remaining upstate New York papers, Binghamton, Elmira, Ithaca, Rochester, and so on, were going to be printed in, in New Jersey. And I thought to myself, it's not an unforeseen circumstance. 
it, it must be inconvenient that there's actually a few reporters out there who who, who remember facts and stories, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's unforeseen, and it's not going to occur until April. So they had some foresight into uh, into planning that. So it's a little, a little lighthearted, uh, but you know clearly the newspaper faces challenging times, and they have a print edition and a digital edition, and it does seem that this may not affect the digital edition. Uh, the digital edition, if we were to submit an obituary on Saturday morning, it might not appear. It will not print. It will not appear in print now until Monday, but it will usually appear at some point over the weekend on their digital edition. That is updated frequently, so that that's at least one little bit of wavering uh, benefit there. That that if people do read the newspaper digitally, they'll be able to still to see this information. One thing, this isn't the first change they've made. In fact, there have been a series of changes that I think people may have observed over the years. One thing, uh, they uh, two years ago, I believe it was March of 2021, they uh, said they would no longer uh, print color photos with obituaries, which I, I found to be a loss. I also noticed they uh, increased the size of the font with obituaries, which I thought, Maybe at first I thought, oh, that's so people like me with um, eyesight issues could read the obituary uh, a little bit easier. And then somebody said, yeah, maybe that's true, but it also means they typically now are are able to charge more money for an obituary with the same amount of information compared to the uh, the smaller font that used to be uh, uh, used. Right. Well, yeah, you know, there there are those changes that occur, and, and we we're never they never discuss because we don't have any any local representation with Gannett anymore to really to speak to everything out of New Jersey, the people we work with, and and, and they're serving dozens and dozens and dozens of papers, so they really don't have any uh, contact with individual funeral homes or local groups anymore. But you know, it used to be obituaries were considered something of a public service, and then in still many areas of New York and other areas of the country. Newspapers actually publish them for free, but Gannett uh, charges high high rates, especially here in Binghamton, much higher than Syracuse, surrounding areas, Ithaca, Elmira, uh, sometimes even even getting up towards Albany. We're, we're actually much more expensive. An obituary can easily, for a one day publication, can be three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars, depending on the length. If it's published twice, there's there's a you know there's a reduced fee for the second or third insertion. But you know we 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 can easily have a family spend eight hundred, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars to put something in the print edition of the paper. We've actually noticed some families will put a bre- an abbreviated version in the newspaper and direct uh, direct readers to the funeral home websites. Uh, we see that quite often in the obituaries. If you read on Sunday morning, it says read the entire obituary at whateverfuneralhome.com. And that's the way people can get the information out at a, a more affordable price. Uh, it's funny, you talked to, to uh, Gerald, Gerald Smith this morning, and he talked about the, the, the Burger Mondays building. And that was when we had five newspapers in Binghamton. It's just you know, kind of ironic thinking of we used to have five newspapers, and now we, we barely have, we don't even have one newspaper because it's, a, it's an out-of-town paper with an obituary page. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we know ultimately, um, whether it's later this year or, or whatever the schedule is, ultimately more more print editions uh, during the week are, are inevitably going to be reduced, whether they you know, decide in, initially to uh, drop Monday and Tuesday. Uh, recently, I guess last year, they 
was last March they dropped the Saturday print edition. I mean, we all see the trends, and it's not yeah. unique. It's not unique to Binghamton. This is just the yeah. way people are are getting their information now more online than ever before. This is true, and and it's hard to. Um the obituaries tend to come to the people who are at the end of the technology stage. They're not look, you know, the older people read the papers, and they're not they're not hooked up to uh, some of the, um, the digital services as readily, or or don't want to be. Uh, and you know, I'm only 54, but there's I'm kind of a dinosaur in that I used to be a newspaper delivery boy, and I actually enjoy sitting in my chair and reading the newspaper. It, it's just a peaceful time in the morning. And so we're we're losing that, but but most funeral homes in the area have have active websites, which place the obituaries. They're shareable. Many people use Facebook and other other online platforms. So there are still ways to get that out, but that's only a controlled environment. If someone is outside of your your email or or um, not checking your website, we can miss the names of special people who've died. And uh, and that's a, that's a sad that's just a sad reality that we we have to find the right way. The newspaper was and still is the best the best means of mass mass distribution of that in a timely manner. And we'll just see what the future brings. But it's it's a challenge, and uh, a lot of funeral homes also use Legacy.com. Uh, Binghamton Press used to Gannett used to have a partnership with Legacy, and a year or so ago they they eliminated that. But many of the local funeral homes partnered with Legacy, where they'll they'll um, they'll scoop up the obituaries off our webpage and put them on their website. So people can go to the PressConnects.com for the digital edition. They can go to Legacy.com, but you have to basically search for the name of someone, and uh, doesn't help if you didn't know that they died. Right. Well, and depending on on your family's uh, culture or tradition or religious uh, preferences, some people. Um, arrange services fairly fast after after someone dies. This is true. People of the Jew, of the Jewish faith, the the, the Muslim faith, uh, if they, if the time is of the essence. Often, where the funeral is held within one or two days. If someone died on a Friday afternoon, they're most likely going to have their funeral on Sunday if they're Jewish, and that would uh, usually preclude a public announcement of death in the newspaper unless the. Uh, uh, timing was just right and it and it can be very complicated to put all those details together and get it into the newspaper in time for their deadline well so i think we, that you know we funeral directors do our best and, right uh, we have to always work within the circumstances we have to serve our families and our community and uh it's, it's sad that the newspaper did, doesn't ever have any conversations with the stakeholders we the obituary page is one of the biggest money generators for the press and uh, and I think they know that, and but seems the, the decisions they make uh, sometimes uh, are disrespectful to that. Well, in fairness to the people, the local and regional people for the Gannett papers, we know these decisions come from above. I mean, obviously they're corporate decisions as far as um, what what printing plants ultimately to utilize during these changing times. So I also certainly sympathize with, with the people who work for the local papers that a lot of times they're, they're sort of in the middle because they, they are, yeah, they're, they, just, they're just workers. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 I think many of them would like to have a, a good and active and vibrant uh, press room and uh, have, have reporters pro- providing local stories. I, I think they'd like to do that, but if the, if the resources aren't given to them and the tools aren't given to them, the decisions are made to move everything away, 
and they don't have any option. It's, it's uh, like you said, it's a it's a changing trend in the demographic that's going back decades now with the advent of you know digital. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's a, a true fact of life. Nothing lasts forever, and the only constant in life is change. And this is true. We, we've and, seen and that other, for decades. The other constant is the, the, the ever-sinking tunnel on Shenango Street, right? Oh, that too. And by the way, I'm glad. I'm glad. I know uh, during during the 14-month saga of the the. Um, Shenango Street being closed while the work was being done to um, to hopefully shore up up the bridge. I know I encountered you a, a few times when I was out taking pictures, and whether it was in the middle of the winter or in the heat of summer, to you know document the progress or whatever with uh, that bridge. Have you noticed uh, has traffic returned to to its normal volume uh, after that that closure for over a year on Shenango Street? It really hasn't. There's, there's very, very light traffic on Shenango Street. I, I would, if I had to guess, I'd probably say a 50 or 60 or 70 percent reduction in the daily street traffic uh, that's coming through here. I think people found their new pathways, whether it be Front Street or, or Route 7 or someplace else, and uh, they're, they're slow to come back. It makes for a quieter neighborhood, but it is different. And, and some of the businesses that do rely more on traffic, we're a destination where folk, you know, people need our service. But the gas stations and the flower shop and the, the smaller businesses that uh, do rely on on traffic are probably hurting a little. The the project didn't didn't help anybody. No, and I know during that closure, you mentioned because uh, when obviously people are coming from out of town for a funeral service and they're following directions to your funeral home on the north side of that Interstate 81 bridge, sometimes they'd they'd wind up driving up to Shenango Street only to find that uh, that section was was closed so either they'd have to take the the posted detour or at at times just uh, a park on the south side of the bridge and then walk through the the work zone to to get access to the funeral home times that happened a few times but like I say we're glad that we had you on you're the only main institution that came through as far as a reporter really looking at that and following it other people would send people on occasion, but you were on top of it from beginning to end, asking questions. And you know that's like the old days of of a good reporter on the ground. And you did uh, you did a great job keeping the public updated on everything. Well, that's my goal. That's that's always my hope. I wish I could uh, clone myself so I could go out and cover more stories every day. But I, yeah. I continue to uh, do my best to uh, cover the different stories around the triple cities every day. Kurt Ashbach owner of Hopler and Eschbach Funeral Home at 483 Shenango Street. I appreciate your joining us this morning and giving us a little more information and context about the, the new print schedule that will be implemented in April for the Press and Sun Bulletin for obituaries. Okay, well, thank you for the invite and then the opportunity to share this information. Take care. Have a nice weekend. 1133, this is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Always working to inform you of things, changes that might have an impact on you or your family. 607-772-1290 is our number. If you have thoughts, by all means, share them. This is WNBF at 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Now that you're...
Valerie from Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Morning. I have a question and then like a statement. So the statement is sometime back, uh, was it Joe from Greater Ithaca called and he was talking about upstate medical center where you can donate your body to science? It's not free. Oh really? Yeah. How much does uh, does it cost? So I was I was going to donate my uh, my tongue to science, but if it's if it if it's uh, not free, how much do I have to pay if I want them to be able to enjoy my tongue for research? <laughs> well, um, you have to go through like a funeral parlor first. To um, there's a little bit of time if somebody passes away, like they need to be taken care of till they come and get them. So if I asked the funeral director just to use, what would they use? Like um, like an X-Acto knife or, I don't know, it sounds sounds a little delicate, but uh, I, I guess they know how to do it, right? They, have, they must have a special tool. It's kind of a sad thing. It, it was pretty sad, but um, anyhow, you do have to have your loved one taken care of until Syracuse can come and get them. Really? Hmm. Yeah. All right. So we went through that. Anyhow. Oh, I, but, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I see, yeah. I, I'm just talking in the abstract because it's hard. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is, is hard for me to, I don't know, really, really appreciate. Yeah. Because it, yeah. after he brought it up, I, you know, I thought about it during the call, but I haven't thought about it really since. Well, my parents just had that instated before anything ever happened because they didn't want us kids to go through any of that, and they wanted to help people. So I thought it's good. It was all good. It's been many, many, many years, so it's Hmm. fine. But I couldn't talk about it right then. I wanted to call that day, but I just I knew I couldn't do it and keep my wits about me. But anyhow, moving on to the question, are you and James going to be in the parade? The answer, I'm pleased to say, is yes. Cool. Yes. And I I trust that you and other WNBF fans will show up and take pictures. You betcha. Okay. Take you know a take, where I'll be. I know exactly where you'll be. I'll I'll be looking out for you and I'll I'll alert James so he can be on his best behavior and then take a picture and, and send it to us. Great. Okay? Okay, well, have a good weekend, and I'm glad I had the day off to call. Yeah, well, thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you, and I hope you have a, enjoy a, a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. It's 11.39. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, good morning, Bob. This is Vinny from Binghamton. Hey. Um, you know, I, I had a question I thought was a... Uh, was interesting about the news media. I know the news media, um, some accuse of being the liberal media. But I've just noticed that no ma- when, when Donald Trump was the president, no matter how bad his popularity numbers were down, no matter how bad, the news media will always come up and say, but his base is still there. Look at his base is still there. And they would go out and find a Trump supporter. 
But I noticed with Joe Biden, they just live on the numbers. You know, Joe Biden has a base, but they never talk to the base. No, but the media, the liberal media, don't like Joe Biden. The truth is, in in my personal opinion, based on years of observation, I have come to the conclusion that the liberal media actually like Donald Trump better than they like Joe Biden. That's that's the conclusion I've reached after observing TV programs, radio programs, and uh, news articles, both in print and online. I think the truth is, now you're not going to find a liberal journalist who admit it publicly, probably, but I bet they would admit off the record. If they if they had their druthers, who would they rather cover? And you know what yeah. the answer is. They they don't like yeah. to cover Joe Biden. He's boring, generally. I, these are general assessments. I mean, obviously, uh-huh. your mileage may vary. But typically, Joe Biden seems to be boring and predictable, and his predecessor was anything but. And and I and I, I, I truly believe that because... You know, we that, that our last president, I mean, he tweeted 24 hours a day, seven days a week about everything and anything. I think there was one there about, I remember he said something about the, I don't know if it was the Miss World or, or Miss Universe pageant being in, in Russia, in Moscow, and how that's going to help us us in the United, uh, the United States and, and Moscow become closer. I mean, it's... It's he covered everything. Stuff. He covered, I, you know, fr- from um, culture wars to food, uh, things on TV, things on radio. I mean, it was great. I, I, for one, missed that. I mean, not well, uh, not in the way where it it made my life better, personally, yeah. as as just an, a human, but from um, as a journalist and especially as a talk show host. I mean that that's the type of raw material that we've been lacking for uh, the last 25 months. Well, I wish that um like I said this is one of those things where I wish he did have an attack dog like a like a uh, uh, J- uh Carter. I'm not Carter, what was his name? But anyways with Clinton. He really does. He needs somebody I I wish he had that in the very beginning, but he's doing well. But you know what we really yeah. need is is for uh, Hillary to go out with her truth dog. We need to get that dog and follow follow them around, and every time they say these things, ar, 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 you know? Now that's what we yeah, need. You know. Tru- uh, Hillary ought to go to, like, the Chappaqua uh, dog shelter and get a rescue pooch and, and turn it into a truth dog and hang out around Mar-a-Lago, and then uh, maybe... The former president would invite her in, her and her truth dog. That would I would watch that show. Wow, Bob! You know, in politics, a lot of times timing is everything, and I think Hillary's uh, time. It's it's sad. I mean, it's true. Yeah. What what a qualified person, and it just didn't happen. It's 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 you know it's timing. It's yeah, it's you know, true. I mean, it's that whether it's whether it's a political candidate or a, a product. I mean. You know, tab soda. Look, I miss tab soda with one calorie, yeah. but its time yeah. has passed. And no no amount of gnashing of teeth or wringing of hands will ever persuade the Coca-Cola company to break tab soda back. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it thinks, and bottom line is, whether we like it or not, all these things happen for a reason. So we just have to keep the faith. This is Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290.
You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF Live on a Friday morning. It's you and me. This just in, Mike Pence. Mike Pence. Boop, boop, boop. The FBI is searching the Mike Pence home. Boop, boop, boop. This just in. Eh. Eh, Michael, Michael, Michael. This is according to the Associated Press. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is searching former Vice President Mike Pence's Indiana home as part of a classified records probe, according to a person familiar with the search. The search follows the discovery of documents with classified markings by attorneys last month. The Bureau had already taken possession of what Pence's lawyer described to the National Archives as a small number of documents that had been inadvertently boxed and transported to Pence's Indiana home at the end of the Trump administration. The Justice Department and a Pence spokesperson did not immediately return a call seeking comment today. This is a developing story. Please stay tuned to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com for further developments. Well, hmm, hmm, well... Well, if that's happening, how come it's not on CNN? Why didn't they tip the liberals at CNN that they were going to raid the Indiana home of Mike Pence? I find that interesting. Because to hear some people tell it, the uh, Bureau is complicit, is working with the liberal media. When, in fact, of course, there's no evidence to that effect. But, well, uh, maybe uh, CNN, maybe their satellite truck was in the shop. Uh, Well, who knows? Gee. Uh, Gee. Oh, more more news coming in. Actually, uh, this was uh, a comment from ABC's Pierre Thomas about uh, an earlier report that the special counsel investigating the former president's efforts to overturn the 2020 election leading up to the January 6th attack in Washington. So Pierre Thomas reported that Mike Pence has been subpoenaed. 
So that that's something that happened before the uh, <laughs> search that apparently is underway right now. Pence's attorneys have been negotiating with federal prosecutors for months as they sought his testimony. And we don't know if he might try to invoke executive privilege. But clearly this marks an escalation in the special counsel's investigation. Well, clearly it does. Anyway, that's where things stand. This is, um, boy. And for this to happen on on a Friday, too. I didn't think that the Federal Bureau of Investigation typically did any searches of former vice presidential homes hmm. on Fridays. I thought they only did those searches Tuesday through Thursday. I thought for the most part now that they were working remotely. So this this is certainly a big surprise. Must be so important that the Federal Bureau of Investigation ordered its special agents to actually no, you can't work home from home this Friday. You have to actually go to Mike Pence's home in Indiana because we need to search the place. Well, can't we wait till next Tuesday? I, I have stuff to do. I mean, I was going to plan on working from home. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No. Get your get yourself over to the office in Indianapolis. Get yourself in at 6.30 a.m. because we have a search to conduct. Why can't it wait till Tuesday? I wanted to, you know, work from home. No, the documents might not be there if we wait till Tuesday. This is Bob Joseph, live in living color on WNBF. I believe. News Radio 1220 WNBF with Bob Joseph, Joan in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. I was a little confused. I think the the red eye guys were talking about uh, the channel that uh, sponsors the what Super Bowl gets to interview the president. Traditionally, the uh, channel that broadcasts the um, that program is uh, usually the outfit that runs the the presidential interview. Yeah, yeah. I, apparently they were talking about there's been no uh, uh, release on that. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't want to talk to Fox because he might get asked some questions he really doesn't like. Well, he had better. I'm well, planning. This is how my Sunday is is planned. The highlight of my Sunday I've planned because they usually the network that runs that program every year mm-hmm. in February they usually put the president on at about 4.15 p.m. on Sunday. So my plan is to have uh, an ice-cold beverage and a bowl of popcorn, and I'm, I'm expecting a, a hard-hitting presidential interview. They'd better interview him. Well, what happens if he doesn't show up? He's got to. He's the president. That's part of the job requirement. You show up every year on Sunday in February, and they do an interview. They usually, I think it's 10... I don't know if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever. And then you let them ask you questions. That's part of the, that's the American tradition. 
Well, maybe, but I guess on PBS or something, he got some uh, hard questions, even though that was a milk toast interview. All right, well. One or two questions he didn't like with that one. We'll see what happens. He'd better. He'd better be interviewed by Fox, Joan. That's all I can say. We'll talk about it on Monday, okay? All right. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. If he's not interviewed by Fox on Sunday, I'll have something to say about it Monday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. This is WNBF Bank.